It works. Good morning, everybody. I know there's probably still some people who are going to come uh, filtering in, but we're, we want to get started here on our lesson this morning. And um, so we'll get started. <laughs> um, since I have been in the West region, now called, now now morphed into Coastal, um, I have been here for deeper since 1996, I think. So many of you know me and have seen me and my family grow up, and I have watched you and your families grow up, too, so that's kind of cool. We have this longevity, but for many of you, um, I am new, so I'll introduce myself. I'm Karina Wingy. And um, we live uh, down in the South Bay, and I've been married to Andy Wingy for 25 years on August 23rd. So I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, we have three kids. Allie, who's 22, she just graduated from college this year. And we're really excited about that. That's quite an accomplishment. I know for all of you that know, when we moved here, and Allie was just a little seven-year-old and baby, now she's a graduate. And Kyle is 19, and he's up in Seattle working on his degree. And then we have Nico, our 14-year-old, who is going to start eighth grade. And many of you probably even are familiar with him. Uh, before I go any further, we have a class in the afternoon called Ask the Elders. And if any of you have a question to ask of the elders, now's your chance to write it down and put it in that box that Carol Marilera is holding. And uh, so um, it's kinda, we kind of need to give the elders an hour because we don't want to stump the elders. We want to ask questions. So they want to become prepared to answer our questions. So. If you have any, in the next five minutes, give it to Carol. Um, and then and then the questions will be done. So, okay. Um, now that you know me, uh, both Andy and I are engineers. We work in the construction and engineering industry. And um, so we're pretty busy people most of the time. But we're enjoying our time here in Palm Springs. So let's start our class with the prayer. Holy Father, thank you so much for your great love for us. And thank you for how much you watch over us, the blessings that you pour down on us. Um, when I think about it, when I stop and think about the blessings, God, when I stop and think about all that you've given me, um, it's a little overwhelming. And uh, many of the dreams I had as a young woman about for my family, God, you've made all those dreams come true. And I uh, just thank you for that, God. And pray that we would uh, glorify you as moms, Father, as we seek you, as we um, open up our hearts to you, and as we um, make it our mission to grow. And uh, just thank you for this time. Be with us all. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. So I get to teach the class with Mary. Dave and Mary moved here from the Reno Church uh, they kind of settled for good about a month or two ago, but kind of before that there was a process. And they have, um, I'll let her tell, but anyway, they're awesome. And you'll get to meet Mary and she'll, she'll show you how awesome she is. <laughs> anyway, glorifying God as a mom. 
the word, uh, the definition, you know, sometimes looking up definitions in Webster's is uh, a good thing to do, but the definition of glorify says to reveal or make clearer the glory of God by one's own actions. So if you think about it, you know, us being mothers, it is a God-given role. And when we do it in a godly way, we actually reflect who God is to our children, to our husbands, to our families, to the people around us. So our the act of mothering, being a mother, is an act of giving glory to God. And sometimes you think, well, no, when I sing at church or when I... You know, when I give my contribution, all those things that we've been taught that glorify God, or, you know, when I give, when I serve people. No, when you are a great mother, you are giving glory to God. And we need to remember that and keep that in mind throughout the weekend as we listen to different lessons, that who we are, how we grow, who we are from the inside out, really is what gives God glory. And that's what we want to do. And that is inspiring to me, to give God glory. If you come and tell me, Karina, you know, you just need to change. I'm like, like, pick from the list of a thousand things and tell me which one, you know. But if you tell me, Karina, give glory to God, I'm like, okay, I want to give glory to God because I love God and I want to, I want to, I want to make Him look great in my life, you know. So think about that as you're. But we're gonna uh, read. From Second Peter chapter one verses three through nine, and I'm just going to camp out in this one passage, so you can open your Bible there and just stay there. <laughs> you don't have to flip around. The scripture goes like this, and you've heard it before. For His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. So this is one of my favorite passages. It's kind of, it's, to me, it's a very inspiring passage. And... Um, and, and, and it's interesting, Second Peter, um, it's a very encouraging spot, passage because it says God is going to give us everything we need for life and godliness. But it's interesting in the whole book of Second Peter, it's like the only encouraging spot, passage in the whole book. The rest of it is like, bam, 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 you know, you're going to go to hell if you don't do this or that or the other thing. I mean, and we need both. I think we need, honestly, I think we need more encouragement than we get in our world. And our kids need more encouragement. And we need to be careful to give each other encouragement because we are run down a lot, you know. But So we need super encouraging, but we need to not also shy away from the challenges in the Bible. And not, you know, just to kind of avoid those scriptures in our quiet times. We need those hard line, like... Do this or it's not going to go well for you kind of scriptures. So we need both. But my first point is called through our knowledge. And um, 
The prayer for scripture, verse 3, says, For his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And this scripture just says we need to know God. And yet, it's funny because it gives us the thing, we need to know God. But then in one little passage, it gives us so much information about God. And that's just like God, isn't it? Where he says, do something, and then he says, here, this is how, you know, I'll help you do it. So in one passage, we learn so much about God. The first thing we learn, he has divine power. And um, there's no, there's no one, no no one, no, nothing that has divine power on this earth, right? So we don't experience divine power except through our relationship with God. That's the only place. There's a lot of powerful things, you know, there's volcanoes, there's earthquakes, there's powerful men on our planet that can, you know, really change our lives for us, you know, people. But there's nothing, no one that has divine power other than God. And, and as disciples, we have the opportunity and the extra blessing of being able to tap into that divine power. And um, so that power is unknown to us without our relationship with God. The only power we, you know, the only power we experience is just what we have here on earth, not divine power. So divine power only comes through our relationship with God. And it says he's a giver. 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 He gives to us so much. I say that over and over because we forget that God gives to us, you know. Um, He has given us everything we need for life, and not just for this life. So it's cool, the scripture says life and godliness. So he gives us what we need for this life. And you may think, no, 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 let me argue that point with you. I don't have everything I need right now. But I, I challenge you to stop and, and, and look at your life and really decide what it is you need and what it is you want and make that difference. And so um, God has given us everything we need, but then also for heaven. He's given us everything we need to get to heaven, to be godly. And um, I think, you know, I, made, I, I was studying this out and I couldn't help it. I made a Facebook post online. <laughs> But I just think it is one of the most amazing things that we get to experience in our us earthlings. I feel so human most of the time. I feel so sinful a lot of the time. That God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to let you be like me. I'm going to let you be godly. That we get to experience being like God. And there's lots of scriptures. If you look it up, I don't have it on here, but if you look up... There are many passages that say that we get to be like God through our relationship with him. That's so cool. He is glorious. You know, think of some glorious things. You know, a sunset, a sunrise. I wake up at about 4.30 every morning to go to work. And so one of the awesome things is I get to see the sun rise. And it's like when the sun rises, the earth pauses for a moment. The earth just kind of goes... And it seems like the traffic stops, <laughs> you know, and everything gets just as still for a second or two, and then the sun rises, and boom, off we go. And, um, but, you know, a sunrise is amazing. A sunset, you know, is, is amazing. The birth of a child, Jen's little baby back there. And love and victory, when we experience victory, that's amazing. And he is good. God is good. 
God is good. God is good. Tell yourself that a lot. God is good. And um, that's what the good news is. And it's easy to make these applications to parenting. It's easy just to jump right over into being a mom. We need, to, we need God and we need to know God to be good mothers. We need to walk with God. And, um, and our relationship with God is vital to us knowing, tapping into these resources. Let me go quick. So we, we need to have a conviction about his divine power when the attacks come and when the challenges and hardships of this life come. And, you know, we've probably all, all experienced our, you know, a response where, we go, where we've really felt God is going to work this out. I don't need to fret here. And we've probably also gone to where it's been, oh, it's not going to work out. We're going to crash. We're going to, you know, oh, it's, it's going to end. The world's going to end. And, and our relationship with God needs to be such that when they come, and they will come, and they will come in your children's lives, they'll come in your life, they'll come in your family's life, they'll come. That's just part of being on this earth, is the hardships and challenges. And we need to be convinced and have a deep conviction about God's divine power. Um, God has and will give us every tool and character trait and ounce of strength to be a good mother. And and um, and we just we need to believe that that through our relationship with God, we can get what we need to be good mothers. What are your weaknesses? Write one down, just one, one weakness. <laughs> just start with one. You know, think about if I focus on this, if I pray about this, if I talk to my husband about this, if I talk to my friends about this, between now and the end of the year. It'll grow. And you will glorify God in your growth. So pick one thing. And um, the lives of our children can and will be glorious. And that doesn't mean they will always be glorious. They're going to fall. They're going to make horrible decisions. They may get hurt. You may hurt them. Other people may hurt them. A lot of things can happen to our children. But through God and through our relationship with God, they will be glorious, and the victory will be amazing. I've, you know, I've been around the kingdom for a while. I've seen people who seemingly, you know, kind of float through parenthood, and it all seems hunky-dory. You know, we all know that's not exactly true. But then, we, and then I've, I've seen a lot of families who've suffered a lot with their kids, who really had to go, moms who really had to dig down to the deepest depths of their souls to to help their kids with a physical ailment, or emotional ailment. Uh, just some kind of struggle. And um, when the victory comes, it is so sweet. It's amazing. And that's what we need to hang on to when our kids go through stuff like that. God is good. He remains good even when we have a, we have a bad day, week, year, decade. Or even when our kids have a bad day, week, year, decade. <laughs> God is still good no matter what happens, and he's still working in your life. And it says, By these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world. So the promises of God, just going on to the next scripture, verse 4, the promises are there for our own salvation. I know we love to hear the promises because they encourage us, but even deeper than that, we need to be convicted of God's promises for our own salvation. 
we need, and God says, you know what, these people, you know, they're easily discouraged. They're easily, if life is going to be hard for them, I better give them some really awesome promises so that they'll remember my promises, so that they know I'm there for them, and they can get through the challenges that will come their way. So they won't lose heart, so they won't fall. And so we need to have the promises of God deeply embedded in our hearts so that we, for our own salvation, for the salvation of our kids. Knowing God is good news. So get to know God. I've been a disciple for 20 some odd years and I still need to get to know God every day, every week, every year. There's no time in your life until the day you die that you won't need to get to know God. And you won't be an old enough disciple, follower of Jesus, where you'll get to the point where you don't need to spend time with God, be with Him, pray to Him, get to know Him, remind yourself of Him. And this is the God, the good God, the God that has divine power, the God that is glorious, the God that is good, the God that is giving, that you need to be convinced of so you can pass that God on to your children. Do you get that? If you can pass that on to your children. We get a lot of funky ideas about God. If we're not reading the Bible, if we're not praying, we get a lot of funky ideas, and we can pass those funky ideas on to our children too. So that's why we need to get to know God, so we can pass the God of the Bible on to our children. Um, let's see here. Verses 5 through 7. This is a great, I'm going to go through this quickly, because I really want Mary to be able to share what she, what she has as well. Verses 5 through 7. Um, it says to supplement our faith. So how many of you take supplements? <laughs> Raise your hands high. Hi, hi, hi. Who takes supplements? Okay, great. So we all know, we've been taught and discipled through the media and our doctors and all that, that you have to have supplements, right, in order to be healthy. So what God is saying here is you need to take some spiritual supplements. And so you can be spiritually healthy. And he just says, and, and I, I've always, as I've read the scripture, I've always thought these things kind of build on the next. So that's kind of my idea about it. I didn't, you know, like go to the Greek lexicon to figure out if that's true or not. <laughs> it's just kind of the way I look at it. And um, so anyway, you start out with faith. little mustard seed of faith. We've all heard that, right? And he says, take your faith and add some goodness to it. Now, how many of us, again, raise your hand, have told our children to be good? Be good. Be good. Okay. So, now you need to tell yourself, be good. Be good. Be good to your husband. Be good to your kids. Be a good person. You know, do good. And it's a simple little thing. <laughs> But we forget it. We forget when we walk in the door, you know, after a hard day's work or whatever. Be good, Karina. Be good. Be good at work. Do good. So, add to your little faith some goodness. And then to goodness knowledge. Super practical. Knowledge is, is, our, is, our, is our friend. Knowledge of the Bible. Knowledge about our husbands, knowledge about our children. Some of us have special needs children. Some of even are not special needs children. We need to build our knowledge about them. But it's amazing how um, when you educate yourself, you can, um, you're just so much better off. You have so much more understanding. 
And, uh, and it goes right into knowledge with self-control. And a little knowledge can be a scary thing. We all know that. When we all go, woo, off on something, I don't know that was right. <laughs> but it can also be a catalyst for understanding and self-control. It's amazing to me with especially my youngest, who does have some special needs, you know, that I've definitely lost it with him. And I have flown off the handle, as they say, in, in our family, you know, all the kids know mom has the shorter fuse. It's a, it's a well-known fact. <laughs> so, anyway, um, and that probably doesn't shock any of you. But, um, uh, but when we have understanding, when we educate ourselves, oftentimes we can have so much more self-control. Because we have understanding, we're like, oh, okay, this is why this child is reacting this way to the situation. And if, you know, I can be trained how to guide and direct them into the right way versus just saying, wow, no, you know. And, and I think that we need to do that. Um, another area we need some self-control in, I know, is our interaction with our husbands, right? And, again, knowledge is your friend. You know, reading books about marriage and really, you know, learning about marriage, learning about your husband's personality. You know, that's the, that's the thing I've often reacted to Andy, and he's such a great husband. He, he um, you know, he doesn't like it when I do that, <laughs> but he has, he's, he's just been, you know what, can I just explain to you how I'm feeling? And when he does, I'm like, oh, great, sorry. <laughs> You know, and if I would have just stopped, you know, that earlier point and said, you know what, this isn't going well. Maybe it's not him that's not understanding. Maybe it's me that's not understanding. And maybe I should ask a few more questions. Maybe I should say, so why are you so emotional about this? Why are you, you know, what asking why, you know, is a good thing. So. You know, I think we need to kind of stop ourselves and stop assuming that we understand what's going on in our, you know, woman's intuition, <laughs> that, we, we need, that we could educate ourselves. And then we would have more self-control. And um, self-control with endurance. Endurance, endurance. Working out. I started working out a lot and love it. Um, but, you know, you have to get up to endurance. You know, so I think, you know, you start faith and you start oh, yeah, I'm being good and I'm getting knowledge and now i got some self-control and now I'm going to endure. Like, I, I can do this. I can do this, you know. So endurance comes with working these muscles over and over again. This muscle right here, I did some curls the other day, has no endurance because it hurts really bad right now. <laughs> anyway, uh, endurance with godliness. We've already talked about godliness and how that comes straight from God. We can be like God, but it comes from our relationship with God and nothing else. No self-help, Oprah, none of that can give us godliness. Only God can give us godliness and his spirit. Godliness with brotherly affection. The word affection is a moderate feeling, emotion, tender attachment, fondness. It's deeper than just a friend or acquaintance. You have affection for someone. Brotherly affection. What do your kids need to see in your relationships in the church? They need to see you affectionate. Not just an acquaintance with the group, you know, the members of your small group, but that you have affection for them. That they are your closest and dearest friends. And when you have that, they will have that. 
brotherly affection takes a spiritual strength. You know, there's the scripture in Matthew that says the love of most will grow cold. That's what happens when you move away from God. Your ability to love and be affectionate grows cold. You can't do it. When you go closer to God, your ability, your capacity to love, your capacity to give grows. And then finally, love. A sacrificial love. Self-sex. So here we are at the ultimate love, you know, that we've been building up, and here we're at the ultimate with love. And, um, and love takes a lot of strength. I've been pushed to the edge of my love, where I've been like, okay, there it is. There's the edge of my love. My ability to love and give, I've, I've, I've been to that point. And I've realized, wow, there I am. You know, I never thought I could find that border, but I did. <laughs> and I needed God to push past that. Uh, so grow. These qualities are increasing. They'll keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus. And the Bible warns us to not be blind and short-sighted. Let me just tell you, let me give you a little, a little scenario of some blindness and short-sightedness. And I share this from my own life. Okay? Short-sightedness. Oh, I'll miss my quiet time this evening and watch this show with my kids. Oh, I'll just sleep a little bit longer, hit the snooze button, and I'll read my Bible later at lunch at work. Later. Oh, I'm going to surf MSN or whatever, the internet during my lunch, or take a walk, or go get eat or something, and instead of reading my Bible that I said I would do, because I missed, you know, I pressed the snooze button in the morning. And later, oh, I'm too tired from staying up, putzing around, whatever. And, um, you know, I, I, I need this. I deserve my me time. I do. You know, I deserve me time. I, you know, I have so many demands on me. You know, I'm reading my Bible is just another demand. And I've had a hard day. So I'll read my Bible in the morning, for sure. I'll get up and read my Bible in the morning. And it starts all over again. Right? I know I'm not alone in this scenario. <laughs> and, and it just says... Acts 2.42 says we should be addicted to the apostles' teaching. So don't be blind and short-sighted. It is short-sighted to not get up 15 minutes earlier and have even the shortest time with God. It is short-sighted to, to watch TV or, you know, text or, you know, whatever else it is, all the distraction. It, it is very short-sighted to involve yourself in those things and not read your Bible every day. Our kids need to see us grow spiritually and not just survive. And there's times for survival. There's been many times spiritually where I've just been able to, to survive, and that's it. But, um, so anyway, practical street. Read your Bible every day and fight for your relationship with God. Fight for it until the day you die. It, it, just until the day you die, it will be a fight. It will never come easy. There's a day or two here or there it will come easy, but mostly every single day it will be a decision you make to read your Bible and pray every day. And write down ten of your favorite promises from God on a piece of paper and put them on your refrigerator because they are your salvation. They are what will save your soul. And pick one character trait that you want to change. And, well, not change, and then focus on to the end of the year. Read about it, pray about it, get advice from your husband, ask him to help you, <laughs> and ask your kids to help you. <laughs> you know, it's funny asking our husband, like, we have to go and say, 
I'm really bad at this. The, the trick, the thing is, is that mostly we married men who were better at things, you know, that supplemented our weaknesses. So I have found that many of my weaknesses are Andy's strengths. Like he's really good at it. It comes, it comes to him like this to do things that I can't even figure out. And so if I go to him and I say, help me with this, he's like the expert on it. So do that. Anyway, I love you all. Well, I haven't been around for a long time, so probably most of you don't know me. My name is Mary Atkins, and my husband and I, like um, Karina suggested, um, we just moved to L.A. from Reno in June, so we haven't been here very long. And um, so I want to kind of introduce you to myself and my family. Um, As a non-Christian, okay, I was single, obviously, um, married for 10 years, divorced, and a single mom for three years, okay? Then in 1992, I became a Christian. So again, I was a single mom for another three years as a Christian, and then married uh, with a blended family since then for the last 17 years, okay? My husband has been a Christian for about 30 years, way back in the day. And um, so in the kingdom, he was single, married, widowed. His wife, first wife passed away at the age of 30, and he became a single dad with a two-year-old and a nine-month-old, okay? So he was a single dad for about three years before we got married, and then obviously he's been married with a single family, but a blended family since then. So when we got married, our blended family was, um, I had a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old, and he had a three-year-old and a two-year-old, okay? And now our children are my daughter, Shannon, is 26, and she lives in Reno still. We couldn't convince her to come with us. Um, my oldest son, Ryan Brett, is 24, and he's in Orange County. My other son is Ryan David, because we each had a Ryan. Um, and he's 20, and he lives in Orange County as well. And then my youngest son is a sophomore at Oregon State, and he is, um, I think he's 18, probably 18. I always, I always have to... I don't know how they are. Um, so I think pretty much we've got just about every life situation covered in our history. So, <laughs> so what I wanted to do was to, um, you know, Karina really talked about the most important part of being a disciple, being a mom, all of those things. But I want to kind of try to throw out some practicals, and we are going to race through this, I'll tell you, so get ready. Um, if we look in Deuteronomy 6, and I'm sure all of you know this scripture, but I'll read it for you. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So this is Moses talking, and he's talking at the, end of his, uh, at the end of his life, he's talking to the Israelites and kind of giving them a review of everything that had happened to the Israelites that God had done for them, and all the commandments that he wanted them to keep going, okay? Then, after Moses passed away, then Joshua took over, and he did incredible things for the Israelites as far as conquering everybody and their dog, and gave the Israelites... Um, their land of milk and honey. And then if you turn over to Judges, um, verse 2, it says, After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to his own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua, 
and of the elders who outlived him, and who all who had seen the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance. After that, whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. Another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. So my first point is teach our kids about God. That is so important. Okay, And it doesn't matter if you're a mom, if you're a blended family, if you're a single mom. That's, that's something you can do. That's within your power to do. Okay, um, God told us that we are to teach our children. But what happened to the Israelites just two generations later? They didn't know God. And so because they didn't know God and they didn't know what he expected of them, it says they did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. Well, of course they did. They didn't know any different, right? So it's so important that we teach our children about God, about who he is, about what he's like, about what he's done for us, about what he does for us every single day. So just some practical, oh, one other psalm that's my favorite. I won't read the whole thing, but it's Psalm 78. It's a great scripture about parenting. Uh, I'll read a little bit. It says, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from our children. We will tell the next generation. And that goes on. There's a lot more of that. And so it's talking about really sharing our faith with our children. Some practicals. um, Just read Bible stories at night. You know, they've got fighting and they've got all sorts of drama in there. And kids love Bible stories. Uh, Animals, everything you could want. Uh, really talk about nature. You know, so I used to show my kids, we'd go out in five minutes, we'd collect like 20 different types of leaves. You know, I, I personally couldn't come up with 20 different types of leaves. You know, just how creative God is, you know. Why did he make flowers all different colors? Why didn't he make them all gray? You know, because he loves us. It's just little stuff like that. Um, Ask what they learned in children's ministry on Sunday or Wednesday and and reinforce that during the week. Um, When good things happen, talk about how great God is, how much he blesses you, how much he blesses your family, how much he's blessed you just having them. Um, You know, don't just bring the Bible out for discipline. Hopefully you do bring the Bible out for discipline, but hopefully that's not the only time your kids see you using the Bible is for discipline. Um, We used to have, when our kids, even when my oldest son was in college and still lived at home, we would have, my husband would read, like, one parable, one scripture. We'd talk about it literally five minutes, and then we'd play Bible trivia. You know, any of them can tell you the third son of Noah, the name of the third son of Noah. You know, I mean, and that was just fun for them, and they'd compete and all this stuff. It was just great fun. Um, So children's ministry, just remember, is not to be your child's primary teacher about God. Okay, that's just to help out. But the teaching needs to come at home. And then the other thing, that way we teach our children is by our life. They're little sponges, as you know. And you may think that you're able to hide an attitude about somebody in church or whatever, but they, they know and they hear you. And it affects them so much. You know, um, 
there's a you know scripture in First Timothy four sixteen that says, "Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, for if you do, you'll save yourself and your hearers." Well, they hear you more than anyone else. They hear who you really are at home. And so, if you blow it, apologize. That's so powerful to them. Even when our kids were teenagers, oh, frustrating is everything, you know. And I would, and, and I'm like Karina, I blow, you know. And, and I would just say, I just blew it. I'm sorry. You know, and they'd go, oh, mom, that's okay, you know. And stuff. But, you know, and I felt terrible, you know. But uh, they saw me apologize, you know, and really try to change that. They also know what your priorities are. They also know if God is a priority in your life. Or if your job is your priority. Or if buying stuff if you're, is your priority, you know. They see how you talk to your husband. That's the first example they have of respect for authority, is how you talk to your husband. How you talk to them is so important. Um, that, you know, those are the times, especially in a blended family, these times about teaching your kids about God, they can be so bonding. And when you're a new blended family, that's what you need. You need those bonding times. We used to go every Saturday for about the first year. We would go do something fun. Either take a picnic to the park, or we lived in San Diego, take a picnic to the park, or go down to Seaport Village, or just anything, just to hang out together. And we had so much fun. And we were, we, we, it just brought us together as a family, you know. And then we'd do goofy stuff. I mean, my husband would just do be goofy, you know. And the kids just thought he was hysterical, you know, and so they, they, it just really endeared him to them. Um, my second point is help them grow deep spiritual roots in the kingdom. You know, in Acts 2.42, um, Karina talked about it a little bit. It, it, it talked about how they were devoted to one another, you know. And help your child have great relationships in the kingdom. Okay, my kids, when they still go to a campus conference, they still see kids that they were in children's ministry with 15 years ago. And it just gives them the security in the kingdom. It's their, in my kids, this is their family. Reno is their family. And they always joke that they have like 20 moms in Reno. And it is true. I'm not kidding. Because as they got to be teenagers and stuff, all of the women would like disciple them. Basically, you know, and because they felt like they were their kids, because we were so close as a group, you know, and it's so true for single moms, especially, is to find a mentor for your children, especially if they're boys. Whether it's a married man, it doesn't matter. Single camp is some guy that you really respect. Go to that man and say, "Can you please be a mentor to my son?" We were married, but there was a guy that was baptized in Reno, a big, hulky football player, played at Texas Tech, huge guy. And my kids were, my three boys were so sports-oriented, it wasn't even funny. And they just loved this guy. His name was Ryan, another Ryan. We had Ryans everywhere. Um, and, you know, he actually baptized my oldest son. And when my middle son got into trouble, when he was in college, his first year of college, he, got, he made a horrible decision, and he got into trouble. And he wanted to basically get out of town. We sent him to Phoenix to be with Ryan and Melissa so they, he, they could restore him. He was crushed. 
you know, and it was so painful for us to watch. I, I, could, I just could hardly be around him because he was so crushed emotionally. So we, we called Ryan. We said, Ryan, can he, he needs to come. And he's like, send him. We put him on the next plane. He went down there for a week. And it was during that week that he called my oldest son, who's a campus minister in Orange County, and said, I need to find God. Can you help me? And he got baptized about a month and a half later. I cannot tell you how important those relationships are. All three of my boys still keep in touch with him. And, you know, we still call them for advice. They're our heart. They've saved my sons. What more can I ask of anyone in this world than to help me save my children? I just cannot tell you how important those relationships are. Um, you know, and don't underestimate the power of the fellowship, especially children's ministry. You know, if you worry about keeping your children out one night a week past their bedtime, you know, maybe I, we weren't a good parent, but we never worried about that. Our kids wanted to go. They loved going. And so we went, and we figured God would, you know, help them get through school the next day, <laughs> you know. And, you know, I can probably count on one hand the number of Wednesday nights that they stayed home from school to do homework. And that was probably when they were in upper levels of high school, if they really had something serious. Other than that, you know what, they stayed up and worked on it when they got home. And then next week they learned, they, I better get it done before I go to church, you know. But like I say, those relationships are so critical. Make every effort to be wherever the body is at. And when our kids were growing up, when they were middle school and high school, and we had people over, they sat at the table with us, and we expected them to be part of our conversation with the other adults. And that's why they're so close to the families in Reno. They have their own relationship with the men there, with the moms there, because we expect them to talk to people, <laughs> you know. Um, and it's, it's helped them. So even when they grow up and they're not ready to make that decision for God, our three older children are disciples. Our youngest son, we're still praying for him. But that's still, it's, he's got such deep roots in the kingdom. How can he go anywhere else? It's just, he's just, he's just waiting to get to the right time, I guess, or something. But really, where else could he go? That's, that's everyone he knows. Those are his people he loves. As much as he loves us, you know. It's, it's so important. The third thing I want to say is to support your husband's parenting. You know, Titus 2, 3 through 6 talks about, um, I'll read this one because this is so important. I already skipped all this. Um, uh, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. There's so many times where it's so important to not criticize your husband's parenting. Okay, And I will say, please never do that in front of your children. It is so undermining to his respect and his authority in front of them, especially as they get older. If you have an issue, just bite your tongue and then talk to, about him, talk to him about it in private. Okay? There was a, a couple that we uh, were really close to in Reno, and they had one child, and um, she always complained to me that her husband was never involved in the parenting. Okay? So we got with them, 
And she said that. She goes, well, you never, you never helped me with the parenting. And he says, I've tried to help you, and every time I do, you criticize me. So I just said, forget it. You know, I'm not even going to bother trying because everything I do is wrong, and you criticize me about it constantly. So I'll just let you do it. You know, and that is not what she wanted, but that's what she was getting by her actions. Um, you know, if you have a blended family, oh my gosh, this is the hardest thing ever. When we got married, my children were seven and nine. Okay, so we we waited a while before Dave got involved in the discipline. But those first couple times that he spanked my young my son, who was always spanked, I can't believe he's a minister. But anyway, he's always spanked. Maybe that's why. Um, I had to go to another room. I had to surrender my children, who I'd been a single mom for six years, and I did everything for them. I had to give them up. I had to give them over and let him have a relationship with them. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Because I would sit in the other room and he'd be crying. My son would be crying. And, you know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, please help me. <laughs> you know, but I had to do it. Because I had to let him be the parent. You know, and mine with his children weren't as, it wasn't as difficult because they were so young that I was the only mom they ever re- remembered. They don't remember their first mom. But I had to surrender my children to him. And, and you know, and I had to trust him. And I had to trust God a lot. It really helped me learn about God's plan for our life and our children. Um, Another thing that really a mom sets the mood for the whole household. If your house isn't a happy one, you have to ask yourself, "Am am I happy? Am I joyful? Is our house a fun place to be? Do our kids want to come home? Especially when they're teenagers, do they spend a lot of time somewhere else? You need to look at your home and see, is this where they want to be? Are we fun? Are we cool? You know, are we, do we know how to talk to them? Do they, are they embarrassed to bring their friends home? All of those things, you need to really look at your home and your, how you're doing spiritually. And if you're not happy and joyful, they can see that. Okay? And they're not going to want to hang out there. If it's a drag being in your home, not a lot of fun. Okay? I, I see she's saying that. Okay, one more thing. Ask for help. Okay? There's no one alive that is born knowing how to be a parent. It just doesn't happen. Okay? And right when you think you got it, okay, you got the three-year-old stage, okay, I got this, then they become middle schoolers, and you're like, oh, my God, now what? Do, now what? You know, I have no idea. I mean, we're still getting, I think we're getting more advice now that our kids are adults than when we did when they were younger. Because parenting an adult, I've got news for you. It doesn't end when they're 18. Okay, that's what we thought. Wow, sweet, they're out of the house. That's awesome. No. Because then they become adults. And then you can't be the same kind of parent. You can't tell them what to do. You have to figure out where you fit into their relationship. When my daughter calls, I, there's times where I say, okay, honey, do you want me to just listen? Or do you want my advice? And she'll, you know, she'll say, no, I'm just talking. Or, yeah, I really want your advice. You know, and because I was right there giving her advice. And she wasn't always like, she wasn't always thrilled about taking it, you know. Um, so the main thing is, you know, that's God's plan, is that we get help. Um, in Psalm 68.6 says, God sets the lonely in families. 
if you're a single mom, when I was a single mom and I became a Christian, they put me in a married Bible talk. And the two women in that Bible talk saved my life. I'm not kidding. They taught me how to be a godly mother. And I had no clue how to do that before. I was a very worldly mother before. And they taught me how to be a godly mother. And they taught me everything about being a Christian. I don't know what I would, where I would be today. I probably wouldn't be married. That's for sure. Um, and then after we got married, there weren't a lot of other blended families in San Diego in our area. So we learned a lot by trial and error. We made so many mistakes. But now we're trying to help other blended families. But we still got tons of advice. And other people didn't really know what to tell us either. But we worked through that, you know. Um, find women whose parenting you, you respect and whose kids you feel are, you know, doing well and well-behaved and stuff. And say, look, I need help. Can you help me? And don't be afraid to be vulnerable in this area. The other thing um, that I want to say, and this is one of my just my favorite little tiny scriptures in the Bible. It's in 2 Samuel. You've probably read over it a million times. It says, it is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. I have blown it as a mom so many times where I'm just like, I don't, I don't know why God even gave me these children. I... I I'm a terrible mother. I mean, you know. And I'm, I've ruined them for life. I mean, seriously, you know, it's just such a burden to a mom when she makes a mistake, you know. You will never be a perfect parent, ever. But we can be perfect if we follow the way that God has for us. And it's Him that makes our way perfect. And I tell you, every time one of our kids got baptized, we were just like, People would go, oh, congratulations. We're like, I swear, it's nothing we did. You know, this is in spite of us. It just is so humbling about how much God makes up for you when you make a mistake. God is always there for your children, for you. He just, you know, we can't even say how much he has helped us and overcome our mistakes. You know, and somehow they still grew to love him. You know, so that's what I would encourage you with. Um, just the main thing is just ask for help. Help each other in this time of parenting. Because if you help someone when their kids are young, you know, somebody else will help you when your kids are older. It's just, you know, we're all in it together. And um, so God bless you.